2: It's me, not them. How many times have you felt frustrated with your little ones and stuck in a rut? Today we'll be speaking with the person behind one of our favorite Instagram accounts, Mr. Chaz, who's going to talk to us about managing through these emotions and helping us understand our kids a little bit better. We read the books, we bought the things, we thought we were ready, and then life took our plans and changed them. I'm Karen, I'm Victoria's mommy,
3: and I work in tech. And I'm Pamela. I have a baby boy named Ford, and I'm a journalist. And although we're both first-time working moms, we're we're actually actually pretty different. And that's totally okay, because we both agree that
2: our most important work is raising our kids. We really need each other and can only get through this together. Welcome to Motherish Moments.
3: Hi. So, hello from Vegas. I just got up after a very, very long night covering, but also I think partying, and it's also part of the of the assignment here. I'm here for Latin Grammy. It's been a long night. It kind of went almost straight it. through to this podcast. I love it.
2: Partying <laughs> is part of the assignment. I love that. I'm so glad we were able to make this work because I have been really excited about interviewing our guest for context. Like his reels kept coming up in my Instagram feed, and every single time I was like. I would like be stuck in my, oh, oh, okay. This is me, this is for me. So I'm excited to chat with him. But first we can jump into our motherish moment. I'll
3: start because I'm here in Vegas. Ford is with his dad. And this is the first time I think that I feel like 100% I'm letting go. I'm going to work and he's 100% in charge of our son. Obviously, I'm super micromanaging from Vegas through text messaging and uh, emailing and calling nonstop. But it's been good. I think it's been You're good letting for go. me. You're definitely, definitely letting,
2: letting go. You're definitely letting I'm letting go. Yes. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. I've
3: had a little bit of separation issues, but I think it's good. You know, for it's a little bit older, I, my detailed usual emails when I travel have become shorter, less uh, detailed, less psychotic, I think. So I think it's good. I think for me, it's been a, a learning process to let go little by little and to just trust him and trust my son more than anything I think this is when I realized that whatever I've established in my son is going to reflect and I just mainly have to trust Ford you know and I know he's only two and a half but I think it's been a learning <laughs> process to just kind of, you know, trust him. <laughs> just that simple. Um, but it's hard, you know, it's always hard to travel and leave your little one behind because no one like mama, right? I mean, at least I feel that way, but it's been good and it's also been good for his dad as well to kind of feel like he's in control and like he really is. My son is really depending on him 100% and I think it's been a good a good experience for everyone involved.
2: Good, good, good. My motherish moment is we went to New York last weekend. Uh, we hadn't been to New York in like a year and a half so it's a big difference of going with they two-and-a-half or a two-year-old than with a three-and-a-half-year-old. And I half-year-old, got to say, like, the whole weekend, she was so good. And it was so, like, weirdly easy to the point where I was like, hmm, something's coming. this <laughs> is not normal. Why is this so easy? But we had such a good time. And I kind of found myself wanting to, like, just, you know, do more, like, things related to her. Like, I was like, now let's go to this toy store. Now let's go to that toy store. And we I just had the best time and i i loved it and i am so happy about that now we're about to go to argentina and you know i hope we keep that momentum going but <laughs> three and a half and you
3: know we'll have our moment so let's introduce our guest today. So I need to give Karen some credit. I'm very grateful for Karen for a lot of things. And one of them is for introducing me to Mr. Chaz. You know, when we're talking about must-have guests in our podcast, he she brought him up. And actually, um, Maria, who's part of our team, also brought him up. And they were like, what? You don't know who Mr. Chaz is? Like, no, 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 no. You need this in your life. And they were right. Everything I've been following him, it, everything he posts, I don't know if it's coincidentally, I don't know if I should be concerned, but it truly speaks to me. Um, I'm also like Karen, where I'm like, I'm nodding my head the entire time he's speaking. I'm like, mm, yes, mm. I feel like I'm in church when I'm listening to Mr. Chaz because I'm just like praising and saying this is so good. Me and the, um, the, the pretzel, so who is Mr., Mr. Chaz? So I love the fact that he's, I would say one of the few male voices in the movement towards more respectful parenting. He is, Chaz Lewis, aka known as Mr. Chass, a former Montessori teacher who currently focuses his talent on coaching parents in a very respectful and I think relatable and easy way. He's a mentor, a motivational speaker who also hosts the podcast, Mr. chess Leadership, Parenting and Teaching. So welcome to Mothers, Mr. Chass. So happy we are able to make this happen. I know we're trying to coordinate our schedules. And we're just happy you're here with us today.
4: I am happy to be here. And thank you for all the kind words that you shared. And uh, happy to know that what I am putting out into the world is
3: resonating. I really wish you had been my teacher. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey, Mr. Chaz, and how did you end up taking everything you had learned from the classroom into now the social media space? Yes,
4: yeah, so I'm going to give the a super condensed version. I started off as a Montessori teacher. I learned a lot of the unhelpful ways that I kind of grew up with too, reinforced by teachers around me, I started searching for other ways to teach and to guide children because I didn't like the person that I was in the classroom. You said you wanted me to be your teacher, but maybe not my first year of teaching. Um, But you learn, you know, you make the commitment to do something different that sets you on the journey to learn. You make a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes, but eventually I started to just have a really big impact in creating my little community of little humans. Other people started to ask me about what I was doing. So then I became a teacher coach. My role was an educational specialist. And my duty was pretty much to go around to the 10 different um, early childhood centers that I was working with and support teachers, do training for teachers, everything kind of on the education side of things. I did that for a while. And then the pandemic happened. And, you know, parents were faced with this new challenge of being the 24-7 everything for their Mm -hmm. children, and I felt I had a lot of lessons that I wanted to share that I had learned along my journey, making mistakes and messing up and learning from them, and so I wanted to share that Through social media. So I started making TikTok videos and posting on Instagram and Facebook and a little bit on LinkedIn. And it just resonated with a lot of people and it blew up and it grew. And that turned into the podcast. It turned into the one on one coaching because the short videos are great, but there's still, there's only so much you can put in a one minute Mm -hmm. video. My thought process was, you know, if I could make short videos that are engaging to watch, but you get a little nugget at the end that I can make help a lot of people and make a pretty big impact. And that's what happened. I'm going to dive deeper into the nuance on my podcast and then also can individualize things with one-on-one coaching. So that's kind of how I got to where I'm at right now on your podcast.
3: When we talk about respectful parenting, what do you mean exactly if you could summarize it
4: oh man so there are a lot of labels for different kind of parenting styles. Respectful parenting actually comes from my friend Janet Lansbury, and that is very much based off of the Rye approach. And really, it is just treating, it's really treating children like full human beings Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from the time that they are born, and really respecting that they are a full human being and treating them as such. In a condensed version, that is what respectful parenting really is and what the right approach is really about. I talk a lot about conscious parenting and conscious discipline, which is very focused on emotions and awareness, and it's really more of an adult-first approach. If we want to impact and change the behavior of our children first, we have to be the ones to change, because a lot of times we will tell children to do things that we are not practicing and modeling ourselves.
2: Yeah, I hear that. So this morning I was going through some of your reels on Instagram, and i found one real you were answering someone's question and that person was like oh my three-year-old is constantly jumping on the couch and blah 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 whatever i think they had alluded to like i already hit them i did everything and nothing's working your response was pretty like i don't know how you described it but like a necessity or like extreme necessity burning desire for physical movement and by getting them to pay attention to us and not pay attention to their bodies, we are basically disconnecting something that you know that is really healthy for them. So it's on us to make sure we're giving them enough physical movement. I literally was like, mm-hmm, okay, yep, it's me. It's me, it's constantly me. And I feel like your reels, all of your content in general, at least the tidbits on social media, help identify something that later as parents, we really need to work on unpacking on a deeper level. That's kind of what I'm gathering from all of this. But Mr. Chaz, it's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard. It's also harder, I think, when you have multi-generational homes or like just families that are constantly together where like, again, just, People don't mean, they don't have bad intentions, right? But like grandparents will be grandparents. My child is acting up and whatever. And then a grandparent will say like, oh, if you left them with me for three days, they wouldn't do that. And you're like, exactly. And that's why I don't leave them with you for three days. <laughs> like, I'm trying to do something different and I'm trying to validate their feelings through this whole process and talk to them and whatever. But sometimes you feel crazy talking to them because they're like,
4: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, I will say, sometimes talking isn't always the best strategy to use in that moment. And yes, definitely have to acknowledge that it's hard because so the traditional way that we try to guide children is we will set the ground rules, we'll set the rules and we'll say, you need to meet my expectations or else. And the Or else in different households kind of means sometimes different things. Sometimes it's forced isolation. Sometimes it's uh, spanking. Sometimes it's a chancla. Sometimes it's, you know, I'm going to ignore you and give you kind of the cold shoulder. or I'm going to take something away. And that is the traditional way that we tend to guide children. These are my rules if you don't meet them or else what I was speaking to in that video and what I'm encouraging, you know, parents and teachers and adults to do is to first see where the child is at, right? And to, you know, try to increase our awareness about especially where they are at developmentally and what they're really able to do and what they're capable of doing. And not just capable, not that I've seen them do it one time. And so, you know, I can't expect for them to do it all every time in every situation because that's not even true for us, right? There'll be some times that we're, maybe really good at staying composed and working through our child, working through the problems that our child is having without threatening, without yelling, without spanking. And sometimes we're not as good at that, right? And there's multiple reasons for it. Maybe we don't, you didn't have as much sleep that day. Maybe we're stressed out about something that's happening that has nothing to do with our children. Maybe, you know, there's lots of different reasons of why we may, maybe we're hungry, right? There's lots of different reasons where we may not be able to do the same skill every single time. And instead of saying these are my rules, meet them or else, we can say, you know, I see you're having a hard time with this. Let me help you with the skill, learn the skill so that you can meet the expectations. Right? So it's not just, you know, stop jumping on the couch, it's I see that you have a lot of energy and you don't know what else to do with that, right? Children come equipped with already knowing the things that their body and their brain needs for it to grow and for it to develop. But they don't necessarily know uh, where to do those things, right? So they know that they need to climb for their body and their brain to develop. It's great for lots of reasons, for their gross motor, their large muscles. It's even great for their small muscles, which is going to help them do things like tie their shoes, like write their name and... They seem to already intuitively know how important this is for it and their body tells them, this is what you need to do. But they don't necessarily know not to climb on the glass table or the oven or the couch. And so if we want them to in different you know, families and different cultures have different rules. For some families, jumping on the couch is perfectly fine. For some families, it's not okay at all. And so instead of saying, you know, I'm going to give you a spanking if you keep jumping on the couch and said, I see you have a lot of energy. Let's find a different place to use that energy and giving them choices. Like we can, you know, maybe we can put some cushions on the ground. We can play the floor's lava. We can have a dance party. Maybe we are recognizing that it's been cold so that maybe we haven't been going outside as much. And just being aware of kind of where they're at meeting where they're at and helping them meet their needs in a better way, in a more appropriate way. And then there's lots of different tools that you can even use to kind of even help help that direction be more effective. Choices is one of those things. Using empathy is one of those things. Connecting with them is another one of those things. How we give direction and using an assertive tone can be another skill that we can use. There are all these different skills that we were never taught Right. that We were never taught growing up because our parents just said, meet my expectations or else. Right. And we were never taught these skills. And so now as adults, it's so difficult to learn these skills so that we can teach them to our children.
3: You talk a lot about generational and breaking that generational cycle. You know, we are a reflection of what we saw and how our parents raised us in the best way that they could. I always say, you know, they did what they could with the resources they had and the knowledge that they had at that point in their lives. And sometimes we want to break some of those cycles. Why don't we dig a little bit deep into what are those generational cycles and why is it so hard for us to not be instinctively you know, the right approach when we try to discipline our children or connect with them. Why is it like, I feel like sometimes we're fighting against something that's not natural to us, right? It feels forced. Like it feels like we're reading a script sometimes instead of it becoming a natural approach saying, I see you're having a hard time with this. Like sometimes you feel like silly, right? Like now I don't because I've been working at that approach for, you know, For the last year, I want to say intentionally, but I think it's not in our natural instinct to react or to have that approach. Why is that? And why is it important to kind of self-analyze our own upbringings and our own generational cycles? First,
4: let me kind of define a little bit what I mean by generational cycles. And it pretty much is just patterns of behavior. And some patterns of behavior are healthier for us, and some patterns of behavior are not so healthy for us and can be even harmful. And part of the reason why it's so hard, I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase, no, I opened my mouth and my mother came out. You know, you find yourself saying the things that you was said to you as a child, right? And that's your initial reaction because that's that's been instilled in you. You know, uh you said grandparents will be grandparents, you know. They- Hey also kind of instilled with this power over others approach, you know, fear and shame-based approach as opposed to connection and collaboration and power over ourselves and self-discipline. You know, I have to exert my power over you to get you to do what I want you to do. I have to scare you into it. For me to teach you something, I have to make you feel bad. These are all messages that we received and that are, you know, parents and grandparents received, and we just passed down to each other. And it becomes, it's not so much of just like, okay, it's not so much of just even learning to do better, learning of what else to do. This stuff, it gets conditioned in our body, right? These reactions become conditioned inside of our body instilled within us. And so when we try to move away from it, it doesn't feel natural because from the time that we were young, these messages were constantly being pushed on us directly and indirectly. And so we fully embrace those ideas from our caregivers, from the people that we depend on to live when we're four, when we're two and a half, when we're 10, when we're eight, and we're not able to really critically think at that time to really go against it. We're just being nurtured into this environment and it becomes a part of us and that becomes our reaction. Now, the reason why I like to talk a little bit more about conscious parenting or conscious discipline, and I really like the word conscious because the big difference in what I think a lot of traditional parenting styles, and what I try to teach is it's not just a stimuli reaction. It's not just something happens, I'm just going to react to it. It is something happens. And I may have that reaction internally, but I'm actually able to pause and actually make an intentional decision instead of just reacting unconsciously, unthoughtfully right? And being intentional in my approach, being able to pause, take a deep breath. Maybe say a mantra, you know, this child's not giving me a hard time. They're having a hard time. You know, everyone, maybe a different one that's also really helpful that everyone is trying their best. And when I say everyone's trying their best, It's not just children are trying the best with the skills, knowledge, and resources they have access to in the moment. You too, as a parent, are trying your best with the skills, knowledge, and resources that you have access to in the moment. And just because you are not at your best doesn't mean that you're not trying your best. You may be at a six on that day because of whatever is happening, right? And you know, you may not be able to self-regulate as much and calm yourself down and respond as opposed to react as much or for as long. And we need to give ourselves empathy for that. Because if we're not able to give ourselves empathy, it's gonna be much harder to give children empathy. And again, that's another kind of generational cycle and healthy pattern of behavior that we have to break. Because a lot of times our self-talk, we have a phrase that we say, our outer talk becomes their self-talk. And so we grew up and so now our self-talk is like, when we make a mistake, we oops. We'll shame ourselves. We'll say, oh, you're such a bad mom or bad parent or, oh, you're so stupid, especially if that's what we heard growing up. And that stops us from actually giving empathy for ourselves and learning from our mistake because we're so bogged down and just beating ourselves up because That's how, when we made a mistake as a child, we may not have gotten physically hit, but maybe verbally. And so that's what we do to ourselves. And so if we can learn, and this is almost kind of like what's part of what is so difficult, it's like almost like, you know, changing the tires while the car is moving. If we can learn these skills to give ourselves empathy and learn better self-talk and learn to respond in a more helpful way to our children, then they won't have so much to fight against as they're trying to live a healthy life for themselves and also teach their children how to have positive self-talk, how to give themselves and others empathy, how to speak up for themselves and be assertive without moving into aggression, or shutting down and moving into passivity. How to stay composed and how to, when we do feel triggered, when a button is pushed, how we can kind of just, okay, I'm triggered, I'm feeling disappointed, I'm feeling frustrated, I'm feeling whatever I'm feeling, and just turn that button off so that we can make a more intentional decision as opposed to just putting our emotions onto children because we feel frustrated. Now now we are yelling and we're threatening. One last thing, I know I've been talking for a little bit. It's I always love it. I used to do this too. And so like, I'm not above it, but now like my awareness has increased. Like I can see it so clearly, you know, like when a child, you know, maybe hits another child or their sister or their brother will say something like, you know, you're not supposed to hit, there's no excuse to hit. And they'll have an excuse and they'll say, well, he was in my space or I didn't like what he said. He was making a noise or whatever. And we'll say, there's no reason to hit. You know, you're still not supposed to hit, right? You know, you're in charge. They, no one can make you do anything. You're in charge of your own decisions. He can't make you hit, right? And then we'll say things like, if they so-and-so jumped off of a bridge, would you do it too kind of thing? Meanwhile, we'll say things like, you're making me put you in timeout. You're making me spank you. You're making me yell at you. You're making me take things away. When that's really our choice, right? And they may have triggered something that's within us. How can we tell them no one can make you do anything? It's your choice. While we're saying, we're modeling for them and saying with our words that you as a child, as a four-year-old child, whose brain this is the very beginning stages of developing, is making me
0: do something as an adult. Aloha, mamá. Sorry for responder hasta ahora.
1: But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. El más grande de todos los tiempos. Messi,
0: Messi,
1: gol. El torneo de fútbol más prestigioso de nuestro hemisferio. Dieciséis países. 14 ciudades, un continente. Los ojos del mundo están en. ¡Gol! ¡Goloso! La Copa América, comenzando el 20 de junio, a las 7, 6, Centro 4 Pacífico, por Univision.
2: I have come to a conclusion listening to you about something. Which is like, you know, at the beginning of the episode, I said how I had such a good time in New York with Victoria. It was so great. It was like weirdly like easy. And when you're talking about how, you know, in the moment having that awareness and taking a breath and pausing, I think it's there. We are so busy and we are constantly trying to parent while working, while taking care of a household, while having 17,000 other things going through our head in the moment, and we cannot pause. We have a harder time pausing and saying, okay, you know, because I need you to get into the car, because I need to go here, because then I need to work, because then this and this. And, this. and there's so much pressure. And I think those moments prevent us from stopping and communicating and having a moment with our child because in New York, I didn't have any pressure. My one job was hang out with Victoria, take care of her. And that I think is what like, like, right. I'm literally like, it was like my aha moment, right. Listening. Cause I'm like, that's why it was so amazing because it was my only task and there were no other pressures. And so every single moment that she had, of course she had frustrating moments, but we could just work through it because there was no other thing in my way. And so that is just to say, like also about being empathetic with ourselves as parents, we have so many things, like so much weight on us every day. And sometimes it's gonna be harder to do this. But if we have that consciousness that you're talking about, at least we know what we need to do. It's like, I know I need to go to the gym, but on a day where I can't go, I'm not gonna beat myself over over it. I'm just gonna be like, I know you can't go today, and that's okay. We'll go another day. That was
3: my aha moment listening to you. I, I do think that, you know, being that way and intentional and pausing and having that approach is like working the muscle. I think like the longer I've been doing it, the more natural it becomes. At least for me, I have to be consistent on it. I think obstacle that sometimes we have, Mr. Chaz, I and mean, maybe you could give some advice in terms of how to deal with whether even our own parents, right? Sometimes I feel like we get shamed Or we get termed like we're being too easy, we're being too lenient, we're being, when we have this approach of being cautious or respectful. Is that a cultural thing? Is that a generational thing where people, you know, whenever you, you know, whenever my mom sees me having these conversations with my child, she's like, oh, too. She doesn't understand. She's like, you're being too easy. You're being too, um, in Spanish, she's like, I'm trying to find the word in English, kind of like, you're not being strict enough and kind of get reprimanded for not being the way that they were. And sometimes it's hard to kind of justify this approach to someone else who's not used to having this style of parenting.
4: You know, the first thing I'd say is have empathy for the grandparents too. Because, you know, think about they grew up with it and they didn't have necessarily the access and resources to this information that we do now. Not even just like with the research existing and people practicing it, but like even through social media. You guys say, you know, you follow me and you may follow some other people. There's so much, it's so much more accessible to learn about this approach and to understand it than it was in the grandparents' time. And so just understand to have empathy, like that's where they're at. And these, this conditioning has been instilled within them and they've been living with it for likely their entire lives. And this is seeing you do this is them bumping up against that paradigm for them. That feels uncomfortable for them because for them, they've always learned and they've been conditioned with for you to teach a child, the child has to feel bad about it right and shame was a legitimate parenting tool that they used right and and really maybe you know depending on the culture and generation and specific family the shame was like oh that was like the positive parenting because at least you're not hitting your kids right and so understanding understanding like first having empathy with them and compassion for them first and second is having empathy for us in these moments because in these moments we may be more likely to do fear-based strategy or shame-based strategy because we're maybe trying to please them and trying to appease them as they may have conditioned us to do from very young because maybe that's the way that we were raised and then that's conditioning going you know okay i have to please them for my survival, right? Because when you were young, it was, you depended on them for your survival. And those same feelings may come up, even though you may know better, right? And this is another example of, you both just gave two really great examples of not being at your best, but still trying your best in the moment. And so understanding that, and then also understanding that your job isn't to necessarily make them change right and i i think sometimes there's we can create more friction if we are pushing too hard for them to change and instead Just showing them, you know, having conversations, connecting with them and not, and and again, coming from a compassionate, empathetic place, but just showing them what you're doing and then maybe asking them to be open to it, being open to conversations, being open to ask questions about why you're doing what you're doing and know that change happens slowly. One more thing I want to say on this is that, and this might be the most important part for what you actually do, is that notice those feelings when they come up notice that you are feeling that judgment also notice how does that feel how does that feel for you right because what we're trying to do with our children is we're trying to avoid being judgmental with them and how would it feel for you if instead of them judging you for your parenting that they were curious about it what would that do for your relationship how much more open would you feel talking to them about what you're doing and what you believe in? And how much more could they get from you if they were curious instead of judgmental? Notice that within yourself. I believe that's reason enough to be confident in what you're doing.
3: Recently, like my mom would share like a meme or like a video or whatever that kind of acknowledges and agrees with the approach that we're trying to you know, apply to, to our son. And then I, I feel seen, I feel like, okay, she's trying to understand, she's trying to apply it as well. And I appreciate that from her. And It's like a love language saying like, you know what, I, I'm reading into it, I'm looking into it as well. And I always tell people, you have to put work into it. You need to read about it, you need to understand it. It doesn't come, like you know we said at the beginning, it's not natural for us to have this type of respectful, conscious parenting approach. And there's work to be done. So I'm, I'm always constantly sharing like your videos, like sharing like all this content that helps us understand and makes it more clear. You know, because sometimes I think in that heat of the moment, it's hard for us to explain, I'm doing this because of X. And we you know when we cool down and time passes, then sometimes it's easier to share that knowledge and help them understand, like, this is why we're doing it this way. And these are the benefits of this type of approach.
4: And we all want to feel seen. We all do. Your children want to feel seen, you want to feel seen. Your grandparents. we all want to feel seen. And that is really what we're a big part of what we're doing with our children. We're trying to see them before we guide them, trying to see them so we can meet them where they're at and guide them more effectively. And when you feel seen, you're more willing to take the guidance of the person you feel seen and connected to, which makes it more effective. Our lessons aren't going to fall on as much on deaf ears if children feel seen and connected to us there's power in that and there's so many there's so many examples that we really take a step back and look at it and even in the workplace think about bosses that you've had that you feel seen and connected to versus bosses that you you feel like they just don't understand they just don't get it and they try to guide you and push things down you know think about how, how one how you even feel being around that person and then two how much more you're willing to do for that boss that you feel seen and connected to as opposed to the one who you feel judged and criticized and disconnected and then they just don't understand.
2: This was really great, Mr. Chaz. Thank you so much for this insight. I feel like I'm going to share this episode with a, a, a lot of people.
4: <laughs> can I, before we wrap up, I'm sure we're at of yeah. at time, but can I just give one very practical kind of script yes. out there? We don't always need to do problem solving, but I'm going to tell you. So the script is, you want it next time. So when a child is doing something that isn't, maybe they hit someone or they just don't meet your expectations, think about what they were wanting, what they were hoping, what they were trying to get out of the situation and acknowledge that first. You were wanting to get the toy, right? Next time, ask for a turn. You wanted my attention. Next time, tap me on the shoulder or say, excuse me, or whatever. And the problem solving can be, you know, whatever is acceptable for you or that environment, you know, it can be different what works for you and your family um, but but that's the problem solving part of it the next time is the problem solving part and the you want it is the empathy part they're way more open to hearing us when we give the empathy part first you were hoping Next time, do this to get that thing that you are trying to do. This is the more appropriate way to get it. This is the more helpful way to get it. This is the safe, safer way to get it.
3: It's funny you say that because I'm always so amazed by how smart and, and, you know, actually the, the Rye approach. I got a book, a book suggestion from, um, we had her one of, one of the doulas that I work with when I was pregnant. You know, about really treating your children from a very, from the time they're born, like they're their own humans and respecting them and and giving them a lot more credit than we give them. You know, and when you say this approach about like kind of acknowledging what they originally wanted and then giving them the tools, a solution, how to do it, you will be amazed how quickly they pick up on it. And sometimes all we need to do is give them that solution, right? Like next time you, you want this, if you do this, like discredit them or just assuming that they're not going to, you know, understand that the process and pick up on it. To me, it's amazing to watch, you know, Ford and, and other children like pick up on these suggestions that we give them right away and just solving the problem going forward if people could watch this video it looks like Karen's and my neck is going to break because we're nodding so hard the entire time. <laughs> for those listening but this is great thank you so much and you know you guys need to follow him it's crazy how many different situations are so relatable I was just listening, watching the one about Santa Claus right like your approach and your advice on how do we deal with with lying to our children and kind of like keeping it the magic alive but like kind of this so many interesting scenarios that I think in our daily lives constantly, that people are going to be able to relate in.
2: Thank you, Mr. Chaz. We really appreciate you being on on our podcast. And I think specifically, like knowing that our audience is mostly a lot of like first and second generation Latinx parents, I think it's gonna it's gonna be very impactful.
4: And I hope to continue to help you through social media follow me Mr. Chaz TikTok Instagram Facebook LinkedIn a little bit on YouTube I even got a little YouTube channel for kids that I'm putting content on so yeah find me and I also do one-on-one coaching if you are interested in that so
3: if you could um, spell that out for our listeners Mr. Chaz the Instagram account just to you know make it clear
4: yep so Mr. Chaz M-R-C-H-A-Z-Z Uh um, and it's Mr. Chaz. Mr. Chaz, I'm the one with the megaphone, yelling an message
0: to, to the world. Aloja, mamá. ¿Dónde andas? Seguro de compras. Tengo mucho que contarte. Hawaii es increíble. He estado de un lado a otro comunidad. Todos son super talentosos. Ya reparamos otro helicóptero Black Hawk. Y oficialmente formamos nuestro equipo de fútbol. Para la próxima, te cuento cómo voy con el surf y me cuentas qué te pareció el podcast que te compartí. ¿Ok? Te quiero mucho.
1: Be all you can be. Visitando goarmy.com diagonal español. El más grande de todos los tiempos.
0: Messi, Messi, gol.
1: El torneo de fútbol más prestigioso de nuestro hemisferio. 16 países, 14 ciudades. Un continente, los ojos del mundo están en...
0: ¡Gol! ¡Goloso! La
1: Copa América, comenzando el 20 de junio a las 7.6 Centro 4 Pacífico por Univisión.